In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Once when I was a small child, I woke up all of a sudden in the middle of the night for no apparent reason. I just all of a sudden, boom, was awake and sitting up. And there, in the shadows and dark of my bedroom, I swore I saw a figure standing at the foot of my bed. I froze. I froze in terror. I absolutely froze. I, I could not move. I stared wide-eyed. My heart was thumping in my chest. I could not cry out. I could not run. I couldn't even think to try to fight. I was just captured by the overwhelming sense of fear that took over. Was I frozen for a minute, or five, or twenty, an hour? I really couldn't tell you. I just stared at the figure as the figure stared back at me. After who knows how long, I was able to move just enough to lay back down. I closed my eyes tight, expecting the worst or, or who knows what, and I was able to go back to sleep. When I awoke, in the bright light of the morning, the figure was gone. Had it been a, a trick of the light? A pile of clothes, a dream that I thought was real? Was it just an expression of childhood fear of the dark and the unknown? Who's to say? Fear, it, it starts young, right? And of course there were other childhood fears for me. And some of those fears were, were particular to my age, right? Fears that I overcame or, or fears that simply evaporated. And of course, then there were those fears that I learned to share with adults. Like I can remember really becoming aware of the possibility of a, of a nuclear war between this nation and the Soviet Union and the sense of dread that that awareness evoked in me. What might it look like to try to survive, I worried. Would I even want to? What would become of my, of my family and my friends? And of course, what would become of this very world? Part of becoming aware of the world, of, of opening our eyes to the world, is becoming aware of our own vulnerability and fragility. And this becoming aware of that fragility means becoming afraid. Afraid of possibilities and realities. Now, some of the fears that we have are illusory, right? They are shadows in the night. Some of our fears are very real possibilities that never materialize. And of course, 
Some of our fears are realized, and we're forced to deal with that. And indeed, tragically, there are even times where our worst fears take place, and our lives become nightmares from which we cannot wake up. Fear. We live in a, in a time of transition and change. These are not simple times or easy times. These are times that evoke fear, right? You don't need me to go through a laundry list of the fears of our time. Medical and pandemic, right? Political, economic, environmental. Our sense of self and identity is up in the air in some ways. Claims for justice that, that may never be, seem to ever be realized are out there. A longing for peace and an end to violence. In times like, like this, we have a propensity to look toward things that are, that are stable and seemingly unchanging, things that, that seem like they can weather the test of time and withstand the swirls of chaos, right? Rocks on which we can build uh, a foundation upon. And this, this desire for the unchanging in the midst of fear and uncertainty, I think it's in play in our gospel lesson this morning. Jesus has emerged from the temple, and he stumbles upon some folks who are just marveling at the, at the majesty and the magnificence of that temple, and they had reason to be in awe, because the temple was an amazing feat of architectural ingenuity. It was just a massive, massive structure built with massive, massive stones. But Jesus, overhearing these folks, seems to, 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 to troll these, these guys, right? Jesus says something along the lines of, well, you know, actually, that thing that you're all enamored by, it's, it's gonna crumble It'll be thrown down and left in nothing but ruins. And of course, this is startling news to these people. Not only because it is an absolutely enormous structure. The sheer size of the temple would strike us still to this day with awe. But it's, it's also startling news because of what the temple represents in their worldview. The, the temple is for these people a, a sign and indeed the place of the abiding presence of God with God's people. It seemed unimaginable to these folks that the temple could be destroyed yet again. So in their shock and their alarm, these folks beg Jesus to tell them, when this might happen, and what signs might announce this destruction. And this, this strikes me as a pretty standard move that we make when we're afraid, too. We attempt to, to control the situation with some knowledge and a, and a sense of certainty. And we hope that this knowledge will give us a sense of control. And that this control will make us less vulnerable. 
But Jesus recognizes the futility of their question and therefore doesn't even begin to entertain it. Instead, Jesus turns his attention to another way that we deal with our anxiety around change and loss. Jesus warns them against becoming enamored with leaders who promise too much and claim a level of authority that they do not have. He even goes so far as to to call on them and us not even to ultimately trust in ourselves. When Jesus speaks later in that passage about the upcoming persecution, Jesus says this very odd thing. He says, don't prepare a defense beforehand when you get brought before judges and governors and rulers. Don't count on your own words that you fabricate. Instead, Jesus says, I will give you the words that you will need. Essentially, Jesus is saying that in the face of fear, we should not put our ultimate trust in seemingly unchanging and immutable structures. Nor should we put our trust in the the sense of control that comes with a little bit of knowledge. Nor should we rely on human leaders who claim more than they should nor even should we place our total trust in our own skills and abilities. Instead, Jesus seems to be knocking down all of these strategies that we form. Jesus knocks down all of these strategies that we have around trying to deal with our fear. Jesus seems to want to leave us in a place that is vulnerable and fragile and exposed. And indeed, Jesus points to the inevitability of calamities and disasters, doesn't he? I mean, look at the list. Wars. Yeah, we got those. Insurrections. Well, yeah, (laughs) we got those too. Earthquakes, those are inevitable. Um, Famines, I'm afraid so. Plagues, I mean, yeah, right? We know about those. And Jesus even goes so far as to to point to, to family betrayal and religious persecution. Jesus does not want us to hide from any of these things. These are the things that we will face. Jesus wants us to recognize that things break and fall apart and are destroyed and are torn down. There is is pain in this life. We have cause for fear. But in acknowledging this fear, Then Jesus bids us to trust. Jesus invites us to move through our fear, move through our lives that seem precarious at best, to move through our fear with faith and reliance on the God who creates, sustains, and redeems us. 
in the face of all of these calamities that Jesus talks about, Jesus says, do not be terrified. Not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Which is to say, we will most truly live as we face our fears without, without refuge in strategies of control, but rather in turning our lives over to God. We will move through our fear as we turn our lives over to the God who loves us more than we could ever ask for or imagine. And in this way, ultimately, there is nothing to fear, because God will never let us go. Now, yes, our awareness of the world brings with it fear. Like our forebears, we live in precarious times. We do not know what tomorrow will bring, let alone today. We have just cause to be deeply concerned about the world and the direction that it is taking. We have good reason to fear. Jesus knows this. He's not trying to deny it. And yet, nonetheless, Jesus is challenging us to be on guard against the ways that that fear can paralyze us and consume us, to be on guard about the way that fear can take over our lives and dictate our actions. He wants to warn us against the ways in which we can hand over in our fears our better natures. And I think He's asking us, too, to put our fear into perspective. I mean, first of all, so much of what we fear never comes to be, right? I'm reminded of the, of the quip by, by Mark Twain. He says, I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which have never happened. But even in the face of those fears that are realized. Jesus asks us to recognize that our ultimate safety is secure in God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, and so not one of hair on our heads will ultimately perish. And if this is so, then we are truly free. We need not live consumed by fear. We need not live under its control. We have been liberated to be who God longs for us to be. We are free to be truly human, fragile and vulnerable, and yet always safe in God. And so, How might we live in response to this good news? 
How might we relive into the safety that God promises us? What might our looks, lives look like in response to this knowledge? How might we live if we trust more and more deeply in the God who saves? Amen.